On the last episode, we spoke to John Watson about the huge impact that COVID-19 has had on the Australian music industry, or specifically the live sector, which has gone from a $4 billion a year industry to $0 overnight. The four big touring players in Australia are Live Nation, Frontier, Chug and Teg, all fiercely competitive with each other under normal circumstances. However, COVID-19 has given them a common enemy, this virus, which has crippled everything Australians love most, music, comedy and sport. These four companies have come together to pen an open letter to the Morrison government, urging timely financial support to the music industry. They have asked for $650 million, not for themselves, but to support the thousands of staff and businesses they employ. The government provided $27 million, in which feels like a you-should-be-grateful type money. Yes, it's better than nothing, but it doesn't come close to what is needed. Today we speak to the man at the centre of it all, the CEO of the $1.3 billion Teg Australian business, Jeff Jones. Teg has the largest market share in Australia, and so Jeff is the leader taking both his company and arguably the live music industry as a whole through this crisis. Jeff, welcome. Hey Luke, how are you? I'm very well. How, how are you, more importantly? Uh, look, I'm hanging in there. Right. I'm, uh, I'm not a fan of uh, home detention or working from home. I'm trying to make the best of it, uh, trying to c- keep connected with my people and uh, you know, our stakeholders and our colleagues, um, you know, it's you know, become more proficient with Zoom and uh, getting getting uh, used to working in the new normal at the moment. Is everybody working from home at TAG? Yeah, just about. We've got uh, people going there periodically, uh, you know, our IT people to keep the, you know, the, the engines oiled, uh, but the majority all around the world in our various uh, countries and businesses are all all dominantly working from home. So what's it like in the TAG offices now? Is it... Um is it crisis with refunds and, and stressed or is it quite empty and, and sort of there's not much to do? Like what, what, what's, the, what's the environment like? Yeah, the environment's uh, still very busy. Our ticker tech people are very busy doing uh, doing refunds to the you know, myriad of concerts that have been cancelled and you know working with, uh, with promoters and venues about uh, rescheduling other concerts. So a lot going on there. Um, we've settled into a rhythm now of um, you know, meeting and discussing and, you know, in a bizarre way, uh, our focus is, I suppose it's not bizarre, it's what we've got to do is is, is working and focusing on a, a post-COVID environment. So uh, that's where a lot of my attention's going now. Uh, you know, the here and now is, is the here and now. Uh, we've got to focus on, uh, you know, the best way to come out of this thing. And how do you see that post-COVID environment? What does that look like for you? God, I wish I had a crystal ball. I, I see it in many dimensions. Um, you know, the, the hard thing about our industry is that we were the first to, you know, you know, almost the first of any industry to go from hero to zero when, you know, where there was a ban on gathering. Um, and we will be, I think, the la- one of the last together with things like tourism to come back because of the, of the natural lead and lag in uh, in live entertainment. So, you know, we've got a lot of tough times ahead of us, uh, not just for my business, but for every business, big and small in this industry. So uh, um, I wish I had a crystal ball. And my biggest single concern is travel um, insofar as what we're allowed to do, uh, you know, in, in a variety of businesses once this, uh, you know, the virus starts to dissipate a bit and uh, and things start to free up, so that is a you know, a major concern for us. So let's just assume travel ban gets lifted. Um, you can start bringing in international talent. Do you feel like it's going to be a lot harder or a lot easier to secure 
big stars after post COVID? Yeah, good question. I, I think it's both going to be easier and harder. I think harder in so far as you know, a lot of artists, bizarrely international artists, don't like flying, so they're going to like flying even less. You know, they're um, they're people that have got a lot of pushes and pulls on their time and uh, and coming to our market, which is a really attractive and has been a really attractive touring market for international artists. They're going to have the pressures and pulls of touring in their own, you know, American artist or a you know a, a UK artist. They'll, they'll want to you know be touring there because they've had the same gap that we've had. Uh, climatic conditions will help us a bit um, in, 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 and hinder us as well. But it all depends when when we come out of it. Um, but I don't think it's going to be easy. I think they'll have a lot of pushes and pulls, and there'll be a lot of reticence on them to come. Uh, I'm fingers crossed. You know, we've got a lot of tours locked in. Uh, that we've postponed, as have other promoters. But, and the big but is, um, unfortunately, uh, you know, whether they, these artists will be able to travel. You know, there is a, I have some trepidation about whether they'll be put into uh, isolation when they arrive here. And that's not something that a, you know, touring artist would be one used to and two would like to do. So there's a lot, there's a lot of trepidation um, in my view about international touring in the short to medium term. Um, I'm buoyant about Australian touring. I think, um, you know, we are certainly focused on looking at it that, that way, as we always have. You know, we always support Australian artists and uh, we have got a lot of Australian tours that we're looking to lock in fairly fairly quickly. But um, hopefully we, you know, people will uh, shop at home first because uh, we need to support our industry here, which has been a vibrant industry but has been crippled by... Um, by this virus. That was actually something John Watson said on the last podcast where he says if it becomes harder for international artists to get here, it's going to provide more opportunity for Australian artists domestically. Is that how you're seeing it? Yeah, 100%. And, and you know, I think, you know, it's easy to get them going. Um, you know, the names are familiar. You know, people, people at the end of this will have a, a cabin fever mentality that, you know, we all want to get out and socialise with our friends and family Go to go to shows, go to restaurants, shop, whatever we want to do. So I do think the opportunities for Australian artists will be uh, bigger than they've ever been, and, and rightly so. And we need to be supportive of that and to think about that. And uh, you know, I'm I'm certainly with uh, together with my colleagues, um, you know, Paul Dainty and Tim McGregor and Scott Mercedes from MJR and Chris David Egmont from uh, and Gary Van Egmont. We're we're working the phones with um, with Australian artists as we speak. When touring comes back, do you see um, a massive flood of content across the country, uh, especially with all the other promoters having to, you know, make up budgetary gaps? This this COVID thing has left. Do you, are you worried about um, literally a massive saturation of options for the Australian public? Sure, that's a concern. I, I actually think you know, you know, it's interesting you say budgetary so, uh, budgetary concerns. Um, you know, the budgets have gone out the window. There's, you know, the new normal is, um, you know. You know, our business is the same as, you know, I would say virtually every business in the live space, we've gone from having our revenue to having no revenue. So, you know, that is a that is a tough thing. So whether you're a small company, we I have, you know, together with, um, you know, my colleagues at, uh, you know, the other big touring companies, um, we have great empathy for those, you know, those small businesses and I've spoken to many of those uh, and know their plight. Um and we have huge empathy, but for the same token, you know, my business and I, I'm, I, I can't speak for the others, but I imagine we're all in very tough times, you know, paying out money every month. There's no money coming in. And, you know, that's not an easy, uh, that's not an easy situation. You have to make 
compromises and inevitably you have to do things and we have done things where people are, you know, um, uh, having, to have, having to take pain uh, in terms of, uh, you know, cuts to their salary or taking leave without pay for a period of time or, or more leave, et cetera. So, um, yes, I think there'll be an attempt for saturation. I think we've all got to be careful because, um, you know, the you know, it's interesting how the consumer confidence will be. On You know, the optimistic part of me says that people will want to come out and entertain themselves, and that is a, that is a truism. What better way to, you know, to, to say, hopefully see the back door of uh, this pandemic than to, uh, you know, go to a live gig. But on the same token, there will be a, an element of the community that will have some reticence about doing that. So I just think we've got to be, you know, judicious about the way we do things, careful and considerate. But I do think, um, you know, I do, you know, I envisage, uh, you know, that, that uh, we'll have great days again because the industry is so strong. It's uh, this is such a great touring market and uh, you know, a great uh, industry that uh, it will come back, but hopefully it comes back sooner rather than later. How many people at TAG do you currently employ? Around the world, about 850 full-time people and many thousand uh, people that you know sort of work for us uh, in various ways, uh, particularly for our ticketing company um, part-time. That doesn't include all the various, you know, Contractors we uh, for, we we use um, so yeah we've got uh, pe- eight hundred and fifty people in eight countries um, all of them doing it tough from you know our, our you know our guys our team in uh, our ticketing company that we own in, the, in Manila in the Philippines um, you know just the whole the whole of Manila is shut down completely those people haven't been at work for about a month um, we're still employing them all uh, we're still paying them. Um, our UK business, um, you know, it's it's quite quite interesting. The UK, who are right in the midst of it at the moment, you know, they're booking acts so right, left, and centre. You know, for when this is over, we own a number of venues, um, you know, in in a variety of cities in uh, in the UK, like Leeds and and uh, Bristol and uh, Cardiff, etc. Uh, those venues, you know, come about you know September, October are, are fully booked now. You know, fingers crossed things, um, you know, sort out by that stage and, and they can get back to business. But, um, you know, there's uh, it's a whole variety of people and, um, you know, all 850 are, are affected in some way. You know, we've had to institute, you know, ways to, uh, you know, save our save cash and uh, we haven't, um, uh, you know, we've kept everyone in employment uh, in the main, but we have, uh, you know, people are working lesser hours. Uh, and I've got to say the human spirit, you know, I'm proud of our people, uh, the leadership of our of our leadership team, and, and every individual TG employee who was who was one aimed up, has two taken you know any any news week they've had uh, in their stride, and is three continuing to work and to uh, and to do what they do in the in conditions which are are not normal for us. So you know, I think the great thing about if there's anything great about uh, this pandemic is that the human spirit is still alive and the people realise we are in this together. You know, the word unprecedented is thrown around all the time, but it is the right word to to use because these are truly unprecedented times. So, you know, we'll, we will get through this as a company um, and we'll come out stronger. Uh, in a bizarre way, it's a time now when there's a le- less tempo to plan well for the future, to tidy up things that we sometimes don't get to in the in the hurly burly of doing business, 
So we're, we're focused on those who come out of this um, a better company ready to uh, you know, go full steam ahead. They say the economy and the world will never be the same again after COVID. Um, how do you see your business being different post-COVID as opposed to pre? I think it will take a while to ramp up again. You know, no one's going to click their fingers and the Prime Minister's going to say, we're back to business one day, then we're, we're back full steam ahead. It will come back, you know, uh, incrementally. Uh, it will come back not the way it was before. Um, but the, the, basic, the basic fundamentals mentals of it, I believe, will come back better. I hope that the, you know, that every element of the live environment, agents, et cetera, understand that and nobody tries to take advantage uh, of, um, of, you know, promoters or by definition the public by, uh, you know, by behaving um, irrationally or greedily. Um, yeah, that is the human condition in many ways and this industry is, has got many of those traits. So I'm not over but I do think the business the business will come back. It will come back very strongly and uh, good a business um, to see. And, and what we've seen when people are flouting the rules of um, you know restrictions imposed by governments, you know by going to the beach or whatever, it's the it's the fact that people want to get out together and we're social beings in this digital world. So I do think it'll come back, but uh, it'll be it will take time and it won't come back all of a sudden. It's really interesting you talk about greed because fans are really concerned across all our channels, it seems, about ticket prices when they come back. Um, some are speculating they're going to be cheaper because there's going to be a sheer huge volume of content um, and others are saying it's going to be a lot more expensive because you know a lot of promoters and artist managers and um, you know agencies need to make up their lost ground in revenue. Where, where do you see it? How do you see it looking like? Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I can only talk for what we're going to do. Where you know our view will be that ticket prices will be the same or lesser, not more expensive. I think it's uh, you know some anyone who says it's going to be uh, greater, I think is living in a some sort of um, parallel universe because um, as I said, people will try to make up, but you cannot make up for the fact that essentially from you know when it was mid February to whenever it ends, there's you know there's a big gap in your gap in your earnings and everything else you know you, you just do your best but you're not we're not we're not thinking in a view oh we're going to make everything up and we're going to you know double the ticket prices we're, we're thinking that the ticket prices at best would be what we would uh, would have thought but probably going to be lesser because um you know let, let's be honest pe- people are suffering pe- a lot of people have, uh, there's a lot of money going out of um uh, out of people's pockets um you know if there's a good side to this and there's no good sides to this believe me but you know, there is, there is limited ways to spend your money at the moment, which hopefully for those people that are suffering, um, you know, eases that burden a little bit. Hopefully they've got enough money to put food on the table. But, um, look, I definitely don't see the ticket prices rising. I, I hope common sense um, will prevail. And, and we're certainly of a mindset. Discussions we've had is, uh, is certainly internally now, our thinking is um, that um, people will not, you know, prices will not go up. I'm trying to work out... Um, the snowball effect here because if you've got a bunch of artists who are suddenly going to be in huge demand, so all around the world, everyone's going to be wanting to put put events and touring and all of that. So therefore, they're going to be able to put their prices up. And then parallel to that, we've got the Australian um, government printing billions of dollars to stimulate the economy, our Australian dollars going through the floor. So, you know, if 
certain international artist puts their price up by 10%. Now Australian dollar falls 20%. Things are 30% more expensive for Australian promoters. I don't know how short of, um, you know, you take promoters making less money and, you know, the margins on it for these big concerts are already, you know, like 5% in some cases, you know, how, how are you going to be able to afford to reduce ticket prices? How are you going to afford to even be able to keep ticket prices the same? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A lot, a lot of points here and the good points. Um, the, the foreign exchange is a is a, a real concern. The big drop in our dollar, which I think today is tracking around sixty two cents, um, that's not good. Clearly, we want it above 70, 70 cents and obviously higher. The funny thing about it, when when a promoter puts an offer in, they're typically not that different. And the one variable, uh, the typical variable, is in the the ticket price the promoter puts it down as as part of their offer. Um, I think a lot of our artists and managers, I, I actually think they will act responsibly and they'll realise that, you know, I don't want, um, I don't want our, our, our tickets to go out at uh, ridiculous, you know, ridiculous prices because the fans will revolt in some way. So I think there'll be a bit of common sense there and I think, I, I think that the other promoters and I think you know, we certainly will act rationally. So I, I hear the concern Um and the, 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 the people will, will choose what they think what go to. If shows are ridiculously priced, we're seeing, you know, we're seeing a, uh, you know, price sense, you know, elasticity coming into the into the fore in recent, uh, about the last year. So people are being more sensible about, you know, ticket prices. And uh, so, I, look, I think I, I understand people being concerned. I hope uh, companies and, you know, the whole system, including the agents and managers, and, the, and obviously, by definition, the artists will act sensibly. Uh, promoting is a very, very tight margin game, and I think promoters, um, you know, are, you know, are clever enough to actually, um, you know, go, you know, none of us start out wanting to lose money on a tour, and we're not going to tour for the sake of it to lose money. So, you know, I think I hope common sense and the will will um, will prevail. And make no mistake, for a period of time, there will be. Um, and I don't quite know what they are, but there'll be change conditions in the way we as a promoter and presumably other promoters will interact with agents and managers in terms of, you know, how contracts are done and, you know, concerns because the whole world of, you know, getting insurance for an act and, uh, and uh, you know, just the travel conditions and all that sort of stuff is sort of thrown out the window to some extent and we've almost got to reset this game um, to, a, to a fair extent in my view. How, I mean, Live Nation, Frontier, Chuggy, um, you know, you guys are all very competitive in normal conditions. Um, how much have you guys started coming together and talking, if at all? We, we've had a, uh, on the initiative, it was, I'll give a lot of credit to Roger Field from Live Nation, and he was a good catalyst to that letter we all co-signed, and I was very proud of it. We got a, a really good reaction uh, in the spirit of the fact that we're, we're bigger companies and, um, you know, we are genuinely concerned for the, the smaller businesses. Uh, you mentioned um, in introduction about, uh, I think, 20, uh, $27 million from the government today um, for, um, you know, for the industry, you know, of $10 million of that going to support act for mental health issues, and that money is, uh, is highly, highly needed. Um, so I think, look, I think we're, you know, we're not, con- we're not uh, you know, talking every day because, one, we don't need to, and we are fierce competitors, but we're all in this together, and... Uh, I think there's, you know, there's, you know, uh, you know, draw draw the lines of demarcation for a while, and uh, you know, just think of, think about it as human beings, and that's certainly the way uh, I'm approaching it, and and, and our people, um, 
you know, our concern is for our own people, our concern is for, you know, our community uh, and and uh, and ultimately our business. And uh, we want to have a business to come back to. We will have a business to come back to. We're not going anywhere, but uh, we want that to be in as good a shape as we can possibly have it. So, you know, that's the way we look at it. And, um, you know, I, I certainly um, you know, commend all those guys. So, uh, you know, they, they too care deeply about the business. All of those guys uh, have been, you know, ensconced in this industry for many, many more years than I have. And, uh, and, and kudos to them. Jeff, you recently sold the business um, for $1.3 billion to private equity. They bought this amazing Australian company, which is firing on all cylinders. And suddenly the company that they, they bought is now gets $0 in revenue in, 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 in no time. What, What's the conversation been like? Uh, we talk. I talk to uh, our our, um, our partners and owners Silver Lake uh, just about every day uh, in a very, really common sense way. They're a they're a massive player in uh, both live entertainment and in you know, the broader you know private equity world. They've got uh, um, they had they actually made an announcement yesterday um, our time or the day before I think um, that they have just invested a billion dollars US one billion into uh, into um, Airbnb, uh, and that they're working on another sixteen billion dollar US fund. Their view is, um, you know, no, this is you know, every one of their portfolio companies is in one way or other, you know, um, uh, uh, affected by by this pandemic. They are very, very supportive people. Um, you know, they. They trust, uh, you know, myself and my, our management team to, you know, keep our costs to the minimum in this in this uh, while we're while we're hunkered down here. But they're working with us every day in, um, you know, looking to the future and how we're going to come out of this. You know, what businesses we might look to uh, to buy, and you know, where it's no secret that the, um, they uh, bought us with the view that we wanted to, you know, to grow this company. And you know, since they've done that, we, you know, we're we're expanding ourselves, and we are looking at a whole range of. Uh, have been looking at a whole range of acquisitions, um, not just in Australia and New Zealand, but in you know in in Europe and the UK and Asia, etc. So we're still looking at that. So we're looking to the future. Uh, we've been careful. We're just we're being um, you know we're being stuff, but we've been no less um, interested in um, in in the future. So they, I, I can you know uh, I commend them. Yes, they they bought us and about you know uh, closed it about mid November. And first we had the bushfires, which affected us. Now we've had uh, a pandemic. So uh, it has, hasn't been a halcyon run since uh, uh, they've owned us, but uh, I, I can't speak more highly of the way they've approached it. So are they looking, um, are they seeing this period now as a as an opportunity for acquisition on valuations? Because obviously valuations everywhere would be taking a hit, right? Yeah, look, in one sense, uh, we're, not, we're not vultures. We're not going to go out there and wait for people to go to the wall and say, listen, we'll will buy for nothing that's not their style nor our style. Uh, you know, we are already talking to, an, you know, I've got a number of acquisition discussions in train. Um, and some of those, you know, some of those acquisitions were, you know, we, we just sort of agreed price before this. So, we're, you know, we're the sort of people who will, uh, if nothing else, I think, you know, we're, we're people of our word and of, of integrity and we're going to honour honor those deals. We will look like anybody for, you know, uh, inverted commas if there's any bargains out there. Um, but we're not, you know, we're not sort of vultures feeding off the carcass of, um, you know, businesses that go to the wall. We, uh, you know, we want to try to help whichever way we can for some of those businesses. 
Uh, and you know, there's, this is a this uh, we, it, every day of the week. It, uh, any interactions I have, um, you know, the people who reach out and you know realise that our business has gone from, you know, um, you know, really struggling as well. But people have genuine empathy, which which is a nice thing. Um, uh, and I have empathy with every part of our industry because I know how how hard it is for for all of them. So uh, yeah, we will we will plan and we will work really hard and we will think to the future because. Uh, that's the main thing we've got to focus on now is the future, not on the past. You know, and the, on the current, we, we work on, you know, keeping the lights on and doing what we've got to do and doing the things that, you know, inevitably pop up. But use this as a really unique time to plan and do stuff that we otherwise would not get the time to do. And what kind of companies are you looking at? Uh, all sorts. We're, you know, we're looking at venues in the, in the UK. We're looking at a variety of businesses in continental Europe. We're looking at some content companies uh, in our in our region. We're looking at uh, a ticketing ticketing sort of businesses in Asia. All sorts of different things. Now, you know, things that are adjacent to, you know, the the, the sort of the TEG model. Um, you know, we're sort of more and more. Uh, we've now got. Uh, yeah, we've recently acquired the the Gary Van Egmont's business. Uh, so now known as TG Van Egmont. Um, so we're you know we're yeah we're collaborating with uh, with other promoters we are very interested in in uh, you know looking forward and you know we love you know content of all types music you know all you know sport all sorts of different content and we uh, you know we'll continue to do that because content is uh, you know is what this business is built on um so now we're looking at all sorts of businesses where um, uh, big and small um you know different types of collaborations not necessarily you know buying the whole lot um, but there's all there's all sorts of things we're doing. Content means a lot of things to a lot of different people. What do you define as content? Uh, I think well, content it does. You're, you're very true. I talk about content. In that context there is uh, is live performance of some some uh, ilk. So we, you know, we are very much into concerts. Both you know we we focus, you know, with you know Paul Dainty's business uh, TG Dainty. Um, you know, we focus on big tier one acts uh, and 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 emerging acts, and what I sort of call the the podcast generation through our our partnership with Nice Events and Brad Drummond. Um, TG Live focuses on sport uh, concerts at tier one, tier two, tier three. You know, we're very happy. You know, and TG Live has done a lot of you know uh, you know Australian tours of Australian artists, and will continue to do so. Um, you know, Van, TG Van Egmont's looking at a whole range of both Tier 1, Tier 2 and Tier 3 concert tours. Uh, uh, MJR, who we, we um, acquired in August of last year, you know, they've, they do everything from a you know, highly successful uh, reggae festival in February at the Gold Coast to, you know, smaller acts from, um, you know, 500 to uh, 2,000 people. And they're continuing to work in that sort of um, that sort of range. So, we we look at that. That's yeah, and so that's why I talk about content is actually live performance content. Um, you're not, you know, we we obviously you know get into digital content and uh, and and, other, and others, but in that context, I'm talking about live performance. In November last year, you told the Industry Observer you were looking to acquire small venues. No longer were you looking at arenas and things like that, but you, you were looking at small venues, and I feel. Right now in this climate, the smaller venues are the ones that would be hurting the absolute most. Um, how how much have you been in dialogue with smaller venues around the country during this time? Not much at all. Um, we uh, we were looking at small venues in that context. I was looking at it predominantly in the UK and Europe. Uh, 
Um, we, you know, we will look at opportunities for everything. Uh, there is in this country, there is no real scope. We are we are the, you know, we're the owners of Kudos Bank Arena in Sydney, but um, there isn't real scope to look at big venues. I will say, there's no doubt the small venues are hurting, but I would also say the big venues. You now, even you know, from the biggest stadiums, um, you know, and our own arena. You know, our arenas again going to no revenue. This is, this is uh, touching everybody, so no one, you know, in the live space. This is where I think, you know, our, our, our friends in the government have, you know, got to realise that this this industry has totally and utterly been, um, you know, challenged by the fact that there's nothing happening, and all of the various parts, the catering, and you know, everything, all the other ancillary businesses that uh, you know feed off the live entertainment industry are, are equally suffering. So, you know, we have got a major problem, and um, you know, recognition of that, you know, the the job keeper initiative by the government, you know, I applaud that. That certainly helped my companies. I, I imagine it's helped many, many companies, and uh, you know, I commend them for that. That was a that was a shot in the arm that was uh, greatly needed. So, um, I, look, venues, we're we're very open to that. We're very open to small venues. We're very open to looking at uh, different ways of doing business. We don't necessarily, I think I've, I've said, don't necessarily want to become a new operator in Australia, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll never say never to anything. Do you think there will be a consolidation of companies at the back of this? <laughs> Not quite sure yet. Uh, early days, there's been a reasonable consolidation of of promoters uh, over, over the time. Um, I think... There'll be, you know, continue to be more and more collaborations. Um, will there be a consolidation? Yeah, you, know, you know, typically in tough times, you know, smaller businesses get, you know, absorbed by bigger businesses. Um, I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. Um, I may be wrong. I think, you know, because the reality is the big businesses are suffering the same way the small businesses are suffering. So it's all in different dimensions and different levels, but we're all suffering. You, know, you hear, you know, what was it? Um, you know, I read this morning StubHub is, no, sorry, Eventbrite's sacked 45% of its people globally. I think that's after a whole lot of, already a whole lot of, um, you know, um, retrenchments uh, months ago. You see that you hear that read that StubHub, which is just was just acquired, I think for four point two five billion US dollars, is in real trouble because all of its revenue's gone away. You know, you don't know. You, you read something into those. You don't always read the the truth into those stories. But um, you know, big companies are suffering too. So a lot of big companies haven't arguably got you know uh, a lot of money to spend. Their money at the moment would be on self preservation. Now. You know, we're lucky in a way in that um, you know we're well capitalised by our owners, and we you know we ha- have funds aside for acquisitions. So we're you know, we're arguably in a, a good a good spot. As I say, we're not vultures; we're we're fair people. And we you know, any time you go into a partnership, the experience I've had is you want to leave something on the table for the other guy uh, because they otherwise they'll resent resent the partnership or the deal or the whatever. So I think, um, you know, you want to you want to try to behave like a proper human being. Um, uh, I'm old enough to remember, you know, I was in you know, in this job roughly when the, the the GFC of 2008 sort of nine came around and, I, you know, you saw really bad behaviour by people who were struggling financially. We will see that again because it's inevitable in the human condition. They won't mean to behave badly, but that, that will be a byproduct. Um 
I think this is very different to the GFC because not everyone's affected the GFC the way everyone is affected here. But, um, yeah, it's something we, uh, you know, we just need to be very mindful of. Jeff, you've got just under a 1,000 people in your company. How many of them directly report into you? Too many at the moment. There's about uh, 15 report to me. We're looking to sort of uh, looking to try to restructure that a little bit. But as we just grow and we, you know, it's um, – you know, it's a very tactile industry, uh, particularly when you're talking about content and, uh, and uh, you know, people in different countries. So I've got people reporting to me from uh, five different countries directly. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's that's how many got reported directly to me. And of those reports, who do you spend the most time with and who is the, I guess, what is the department or territory that's giving you the most concern or requiring the most most of your attention? I spend the most time always with um, with uh, my, my CFO um, and I still spend a lot, of, uh, you know, every day talking to her multiple times. Uh, I spend a lot of time with uh, Cameron Hoy who runs... Um, who runs Tech Tech for for us? Uh, a lot of time with uh, with uh, Paul Dainty and Tim McGregor and you know TG Dainty and TG Live planning for the future, talking about things. Um, uh, Richard Buck, who who uh, runs in, uh, TGMJR in the UK, spent a hell of a lot of time talking to him um, at you know late at night or early in the morning um, because so that, that's a very dynamic business and one that we're putting a really massive focus on. So um, our, my our MD of Asia. Uh, who's out of Singapore, um, speak to him a couple of times a day. So really regularly with everybody, trying to keep connected. I've said to my guys, it's it's a you know time we've got to be connected, if nothing else, to check on each other and to, you know, to keep uh, keep doing what we're doing. Um, no one particularly worries me. Uh, no area worries me more than other. This is, this is not discriminating across any country. Uh, I'm obviously more focused on Australia because at the moment Australia is still by far the biggest part of our business and so it warrants the most of my attention and it gets the most attention but you know I'm equally concerned about everybody and because uh, you know, we have this aspiration to grow ourselves into being a you know um, you know a global company always based in Australia you know where Australia is our center of gravity in our and our key market and that's there but we've got to be focused on the and the whole uh, shooting match and what kind of manager are you Jeff do you like to get into the detail? Do you just want the high level? What, what you know? Tell me about your management style. Uh, I suppose others could judge that. I um, um I, I like to say that I uh, say to my people, if everyone wrote on my epitaph, what would they say? Well, they'd say plenty of things, but I think they'd say that I cared. Um, I generally care authentically for my business and my people. So I think people realise that uh, you know I don't speak crap. I don't have agendas. Uh, if I say something, I mean it. If I say I'm going to do something, I do that. Do my best to uh, to do it. Um, you know, I'm a human being, and I make lots of mistakes. But I, uh, you know, I try not. I try to make as few as possible. I I'm in it with my, my guys. I, I won't ask them to do anything I'm not prepared to do myself. And particularly this this time, uh, I think I work hard. Uh, I certainly, um, you know, I'm certainly uh, don't. Don't die wondering and, and understanding the business and and trying to and to work with these guys. Uh, a picture of success for me with any of the people that work with me is that I have nothing to do with their success because I'll get the reflected glory. I don't care about I don't care about um, my own personal brand or I don't care about pontificating in the in the public domain. 
Um, I'll leave that to uh, to any, uh, others. That's not what I'm. How I'm wired. I'm wired to the success of our business and uh, and every part of our our business being as good as they can be. So I think I'm definitely I'm definitely in the detail, but I'm also big picture. Uh, the one thing I've I wouldn't say enjoyed because I've enjoyed anything about this pandemic, but one thing has been I've had more time to think and plan for the future, which hopefully is something that will uh, hold hold myself and our company in good stead. But I've got tremendously dedicated people, a real potpourri of different types of skill set and competencies and uh, and they're all rising to the occasion. Uh, we, we, we're meeting weekly uh, for a couple of hours and we, you know, we all have, you know, each of us has a uh, work in progress meeting every week as well. So we're keeping well connected and we're focusing on the issues. Jeff, we ask every CEO or executive this question on the podcast and that is what is the biggest mistake you've made as a leader? Um, and tell us what we can learn from that mistake. Well, so I wish I knew that question was coming. Uh, without notice is my brand. Yeah, that's great. I'll be, the question without notice is a good one. Uh, <laughs> I, look, I make mistakes every day. Um, biggest mistake. I don't, I, you know, I think I, I can't pinpoint, uh, you know, it's not that I haven't made mistakes. I always ask people in interview, you know, tell us your, your three three biggest strengths and your three biggest weaknesses, and uh, it's not a weakness to have weaknesses. Um I think, um, you know, you've, at times you, you'll, you'll back, you know, I've, I've backed some businesses that haven't, you know, elements of our businesses that haven't worked, which look like, sound like a good idea. So I've, I've backed things and like, you know, I've had plenty of live content projects gone really poorly. Um, you know, we've luckily, we've had a lot more that have gone well, but I've, I've you know, I've, uh, I regret uh, an element of our business that I got into a couple of years ago, which um, is uh, big mega global exhibitions um, that uh, at the time I didn't regret it. Uh, after the results of it, um, you know, these things where we took exhibitions to London, New York, Chicago, Tokyo, all over the world, uh, we lost a lot of money. So I probably regret that because I, whilst it sounded like a great idea, we didn't do the amount of you know, uh, analytical research that we should have done to make sure that it wasn't good. So that was a, you know, that was a, a fiscal, a fiscal, fiscal mistake that I made. But uh, again, you know, what what it does, it, you, you learn a lesson from it. You know, uh, make sure you actually just don't back your gut. That you actually get fact based argument to support your your premise and uh, as best you can. This is an industry that's uh, both an art and a science, and we're trying with. Uh, with touring artists, whatever, to bring as much science to it as we can. And this, uh, you know, this is all this is about timing, uh, and we hope to get the timing right. Timing is going to be, uh, you know, to one of your earlier questions about everyone's going to want to go on tour and uh, and uh, you know have it. There'll be a, you know, there'll be a, an absolute tsunami of activity. Um, we just got to make sure that we make really clever decisions based on facts and um, at the best the best discussion and analysis we can do. I spoke to one record label executive who told me confidentially their KPIs internally are one in 13. So they, they, they're in the betting business. They bet on talent they love. One in 13 will come off. And if that happens, they're cheering. It works. What is the model for promoters? Because obviously everything's not going to work. Um, what is your model? Like what success rate are you happy with? Um, we, we don't, we don't put it that way. We endeavor to make every, for, you know, the, uh, artist management and agent that we, that entrusted us to do the tour. So I think when we started off before we'd acquired TG Dainty and subsequently uh, all these other businesses in the, in the touring world, 
when we were just TG Live, you know, we were at a tempo where we could really focus and bring our, you know, I think unique digital marketing and our data analytics skills to bear to ensure that tours, you know, really maximised um, their return. We brought different thinking to it and a different approach to it, not just in a marketing sense, but bringing other, you know, brand partnerships to the to the fore, et cetera. So, I, you know, uh, at times I think not, we haven't lost that, but because we've got bigger and we've got so many tours going on at any one time, that, that personal ownership touch goes a little bit. So we've got to be careful that we we don't just one cap fits all. You know, we had a tour the other uh, in TG Live where I looked, I, for some reason the marketing budget came to me, which not, these days probably doesn't work, doesn't come to me that often. And I noticed on this tour we'd spent uh, 40% of our marketing budget on outdoor so, you know, billboards and, uh, and posters. And I said, why do we do that? I said, this artist is a, a digital artist where his, he would engage with his, uh, his, his fan base through every form of digi- digital, um, digital advertising or marketing uh, channel, not through, not through large format outdoor or, uh, or, or billboards. And it was, to me, I think our guys had got a, what I call the cookie cutter approach. They'd done a bit of digital a lot of digital because we always do a lot of digital, a bit of a bit of um, radio, and very big bit of outdoor, and I and I was really upset to to see that because I don't think I don't think they were thinking because this the demographic of this artist was was dominantly females, probably you know fifteen to twenty five, and, and I don't think they're big billboard billboard um, exponents. So anyway, so I think you know that's something we need to be really uh, mindful of. And I, I, so our ratio, I think our ratio now is we try to, you know, God, I, you know, who know, I don't really know, but, you know, eight and a half out of ten we get right. Um, and on the, on the one and a half maybe, you know, that's not a precise number, but the one and a half you don't get right, you, you try to stem the bleeding uh, as best you can and, we, you know, we're, we're pretty good at doing that. But, um, yeah, we certainly don't win every time. And is that- Wish we did. Is that then how you KPI promoters? So if a promoter's getting six out of tens every year, do you just go, mate, enough's enough? Uh, yeah, we don't we don't KPI them that way. We certainly look at them. Um, you, know, we, you know, if if things don't, you know, if things and look, you know, we make a mistake as a company with um, this festival. We tried to get up uh, sand tunes at the Gold Coast. Uh, it was supposed to be there in the beginning of December. Uh, we lost a lot of money out of that. We thought it was a bad idea. We worked on it for a couple of years. We we thought we had a we had a very expensive and we thought on market on uh, on market bill, uh, but it was not selling. And you know we got forced off the beach by um, by public the court of public uh, opinion um, or elements of the court of public opinion, and we lost a lot of money. So in consultation with Paul Dainty, we made the hard call to say, "Listen, we're going to lose." Um, a lot of money here. We've already lost a lot, but if we keep going, we'll lose you know a hell of a lot more. So we 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 quit the concert, refunded uh, refunded all the people who bought tickets. Uh, and whilst we don't have our tail between our legs, we we learned some good lessons in that, and we learned the lessons that um, you know it, just because it sounds like a good idea doesn't mean it is. Uh, building a festival, which was our first real foray into one, particularly a big festival. Uh, they're not all. They're not all uh, beer and skittles. It's a hard work, and you building a brand is uh, is really hard in that sphere. And I commend those uh, festivals that have you know they've still got their big brand and have, have done great. Um, so yeah, we we continue to evolve, and we want to innovate, be known to be innovative and imaginative. Try different formats. Think differently about the way we do our our business. 
don't just keep wheeling the same thing. And I think to a large extent, we'll continue to do that. Jeff, thank you so much. I want you to leave us with the thing that you're most proud of um, that you've achieved in your career um, and the thing you're most excited about in the future. Oh, I'm, I'm just proud of the fact that uh, I hope over a, a long career in, a, in, you know, this is my seventh different, um, you know, seventh job in my, in my working career um, that I have hopefully maintained uh, my honour and integrity. Um, uh, others can judge it, but that, that's what I, I always try to try to do. And what I'm most excited about is, um, you know, I love what I do. I uh, every day I, you know, I love going to work or love getting up and going to my, you know, my office at home now, as it may be. Uh, I love the variety in the industry that we work in. I love, um, you know, the fact that every day is different. I still have plenty of passion, and uh, what I'm most excited about is uh, the next sort of however long I can go for, but you know, at least five years, um, if not more to uh, keep doing what we're doing and, and be proud of the, you know, for me, it's a, it's been proud of the the business we've created in TG and, uh, and making sure that we, uh, we're true to what we, uh, what we set out to do. Jeff, thank you very much for your time. Um, this is Fear at the Top. You can listen to all the past episodes if you go to the Industry Observer website and click podcasts or follow us on, on any of the platforms. Um, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. Very honoured, extremely insightful given the current climate. And I hope you can provide a lot of hope for the artist managers out there who are feeling pretty down and beat right now. And the fact that you're so buoyant and you've got a very clear plan means not only is artist revenue looking looking good coming up, but that means the artist managers and the agents and all of that will be able to get a living again soon. So thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Luke. Thank you for your time, mate. Thank you. Good luck to everybody. Keep well.